It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Discord. This week's episode, Scary Movies and the True Stories They're Based Upon. I might come up, I might rework Hell that yeah. title. It's a little bit wordy, a little on the wordy side. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. As long as, as long as I get the point, you know, we're not trying to come up with a slogan or something. <laughs> Over 10 million movies served. What? I don't know. All right. What? So this week <laughs> we're talking about horror movies that are based on true stories. And we've each chosen a movie or two to talk about, and we will be talking about them. I think, uh. Without further ado, I think Agent ETA, would you like to go first since you have, I only got one movie, so it makes sense if you go first, then uh, Agent Kruger and I go, and then you go to end it up with. Yeah, we'll switch off. Maybe maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I have like three movies, I guess I want to, I want to mention, talk about a little bit, and uh, maybe I can, you know, sprinkle my, uh, my movies in between you guys or something like that. Yeah. That sounds a little more sexual than I thought it would, but now that I said it, I'm okay with it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So the first movie I want to talk about is, so I'll just put this disclaimer out there. It's not a direct inspiration. I think it is, but it has never been confirmed. It's Stephen King's it. And the character in general is Pennywise. And um, so this character, I think, was inspired by John Wayne Gacy. And the main reason why I think this is because uh, Stephen King was supposed to have conceived his story for uh, his book, It, in 1978, and he began writing it in 1981. So John Wayne Gacy was arrested in December of 1978, and then he was sentenced in 1980, uh, March of 1980. So the timelines, they line up pretty damn close. You know what I mean? It's right there. So I think it's it's completely reasonable to assume that there's some inspiration there. You know what I mean? Yep. John Wayne Gacy is probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous, serial killers in the United States history. I mean, the, the guy did some pretty atrocious stuff, <laughs> uh, to say the least, you know. Um, he, he was a serial killer. He was, jeez, uh, a, a sex offender, I guess you could say. But the main reason why uh, he would be an influence for um, the character Pennywise would be because he was actually a clown himself. And the name, the name of his clown character was Pogo the Clown. And um, <laughs> later on, actually, he's actually, uh, you know, he, he became uh, known for painting pictures of clowns and stuff while he was uh, incarcerated. But uh, that's rather here nor there. Anyways, uh, he was Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown. Um, it was his, one of his, you know, his two personas. And so he would go around and, um, you know, play a clown at, at different events at, uh, birthday parties or, you know, uh, you know, stuff like that. And his, uh, main thing that he did when, when he was luring victims and stuff to his home, um, is he basically would, would trick them into, uh, thinking that he's going to do a magic trick for them. Right. 
oh, I'm going to do a magic trick for you, buddy. Let me put these handcuffs on you behind your back, <laughs> you know, even. Um, and then he would proceed to rape the shit out of them and then torture them. And usually from uh, what I understand, the, the, the main method of him killing was either by asphyxiation or strangulation. And um, I mean, that's got to be a pretty damn way, uh, horrible way to go. You know, it's, it's, yeah. But most of his uh, victims were either young boys or younger men. And um, it's, it's, uh, he, he was, he was a very prolific uh, character as far as uh, serial, serial killers go. You know, I mean, that's, he, he's one of the big ones, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, and, I'm not going to go too far into like, you know, everything that he did. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are pretty damn familiar with who Gacy is. I mean, I don't know how you, you, you must at least know his name. He's like I said, he's up there. One of the most famous uh, serial killers in, in United States history, you know? Yep. Very much so. Yeah. True definition of a monster. I wonder if Pogo was a reference to some appendage perhaps, you know, is that, does that seem like a little sexual in nature? Maybe. <laughs> Pogo I'm sure it's possible. <laughs> Bend over and let me handcuff you and I'll show you my pogo stick. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Center. <laughs> I wonder how high you could bounce. Anyways, so I'll stop right there. Let's not I'll go down that, that road. Thought, you know, before. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> so, uh, he was convicted of 33 murders. Damn. And, um, Yeah. And, and who knows how much more there, there might be more that that's for sure. You know, I, I don't think that he, uh, admitted to all of them, you know, and who knows he might, he might've forgotten a couple, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one, you know, but he was, uh, um, killed by lethal injection at the, uh, Stateville Correctional Center on May 10th, 1944, hmm. uh, which, you know, probably in my opinion, I don't know, it's probably much more of a peaceful way than he deserves. Yeah. You know what I mean? With, with, when you have somebody who has inflicted that much pain and suffering on, on others, like, like who knows the kind of hopelessness somebody's mind is going to be going through in those moments when you realize you've been duped and not only have you been duped, but this guy means nothing but malicious intent, you know? That'd be a horrible like, way to knows? go. I mean, that's gotta be, it's gotta be freaking horrible, man. You know, it's, so I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm a little bit more, uh, yeah, I believe in eye for an eye type type of a type of a deal. Mm-hmm. I wish we could have. I don't know. I, I wish that that could be a thing and still be, you know, righteous. I guess like the the real you know definition of righteous. Uh, like I don't know. It's just. Uh, but how do you how do you really? I don't know. Uh, who decides that kind of thing though? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that's the problem. If you and kill somebody, you should be killed. I know we have death. I, I like the idea of reform to an extent, and eye for an eye. You know. It doesn't work for everything, but some some things like what this guy no. did are just so heinous that he, he you know, he yeah. crossed a line that he should no longer be a part of society. You know, it's uh it's it's a tough decision, you know, as far as the as far yeah. I, we don't like to get too political on here, but as far as like the death penalty goes, the only reason I would be against it is because there have been people throughout the years wrongfully convicted. So you know, you got people being executed who didn't actually commit that crime, you know, which is the, you know, but it, yeah. it's a, it's a very, very sticky topic that, you know, it's, we probably don't really have time to get into because that's a topic that deserves like, you know, a, a whole podcast in and of itself, probably not, 
Not what, you know, a couple of people, you know, idiots like us just saying, oh yeah, you know, just, oh, kill them all, you know, because there it's, yeah. it's well, a pretty heavy know, decision, you know? you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But did yeah, you, I mean, um, did you say 1944 or is it, or 1984? Uh, for, for what? When he was executed. Oh, oh, um, did, damn it. Now I got a 1994. 90, oh, 1994. I, I okay. There. For some reason it sounded like you said 1944. I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm a little confused. I hope I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible that I did. I do say stupid things like that sometimes, but no, it was 94. But he was uh, um, killed by lethal injection at the uh, Stateville Correctional Center on May 10th, 1944. 1944. Okay. Well, if you did, I will edit it out and then re-put it in in a loop so you can you can hear you saying 44, 44, 44, 44. <laughs> no, what, what you should do, what you should do, oh yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But like, just like uh, superimpose your, like superimpose your voice like over mine. Uh-huh. And like, instead of me saying 1944, I'll be like 19 and then you'll be like, 94. <laughs> you know? That'd be hilarious. It's like crude clip on and clip out. And then you're just, your voice dubbing his yeah. 84. I'm just trying to match it. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Actually. <laughs> oh, you know what? Um, Sounds like just, a serial killer's like letter. Really. If you think about it, like how they're all like different letters cut out from different pieces of the paper or whatnot. Oh yeah. Your yeah. Voices. Yeah, like the ransom ransom letters and stuff. Yeah. Um, I do want to before it just popped into my mind, mm-hmm. but before before it uh it goes off into the wild blue yonder of Agent ETA's uh, dome piece, I want to mention uh, give you know just just a mensch to an episode we've already done, uh, with uh, Travis Walton. Well, about Travis Walton. All right. And the movie Fire in the Sky that was made nineteen nineteen ninety three. Because I don't know why, but 1994, 1993, I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. For some reason, it reminded me of it. I'm going to fact but, check um, you right now. That movie is awesome. I think I'm, well, I, I could, I could be wrong. Oh shit. 1993. Damn. Hot damn. I'm good. Look yeah. at that. I remember some stuff from that episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, like that movie is freaking awesome. Like that, that movie really, uh, it influenced me in, in my my interest in aliens uh-huh. as you know when i when you know when i was a little bit younger there and and uh i don't know i just i just need i want to make sure we give it a mensch because um i don't think we we talked about this in the lead up to this you know talking back and forth making sure we didn't do this the same uh concentrate concentrate on the same movies and stuff you know mm-hmm. that movie was like a horror movie um so yeah yeah uh freaking uh that that was uh, one of the movies I wanted to mention there. Uh, the second one that I want to talk about is The Dentist. Are you guys familiar with this movie? No, I am not. Okay. I, I don't think it was a, a popular movie when it came out. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I think Hold on. It, was, it kind of flew under the radar. Hold on just a second. What? Before you get into that, while we're on the topic of serial killers, um, I don't think I posted this. Did I post it? Oh, yeah. I posted it in the channel Strange News, but... Under If you go to Discord and you go into the Strange News channel, I posted an article. There's a group of amateur detectives that think that they'd solved the case of the Zodiac Killer. They think that they... Dis- oh, they, no shit. Yeah, they think they figured it out. I read the article. I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking into it, but it looks a little on the flimsy side, but it's still pretty cool that somebody's at least still working on that stuff. So I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. I didn't want to spend too much time on it. So sorry, to, sorry for interrupting. Go ahead and uh, continue on your uh, no, that's the a very, dentist. That, 
that's a very prolific case. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. So like, the movie The Dentist, yeah. yeah, hell yeah. I mean, it's unsolved still, right? So I mean, it's yeah, that's a I don't know. It could be the biggest cold case in in the country. I don't know. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably yeah gained a much. I mean, it's it's more popular than any other cold case that I know about. Not that I know much about cold cases, but okay. So back to the dentist. Um, now he wasn't the type of dentist that would like you know put somebody out and then rape them or something like that necessarily. Um, so this guy's name, the guy that inspired the movie The Dentist, uh, his name was Glennon Edward Engelman, and um, the guy was a. Uh, a pretty sketchy character. He was off, often um, referred to as a psychopath. <laughs> and uh, so the, <laughs> the, the, the guy, the guy was actually, I guess you can kind of call him a, a bit of a hitman. Although like one of the things that he did was like, say he would, um, one of the first killings that he did was with uh, his ex-wife. His ex-wife had married a new fella. And after she married him, um, she got him to sign up for life insurance and made sure that that life insurance was worth enough money. Right. And then they would kill him and collect the life insurance and they would split it. I don't know how they would split it, but they would split it. And, um, this guy was, a uh, he, he was a, a, a bit of a nut job. And especially because of some of the stuff he said after, like when he got arrested, uh, when he was incarcerated, the dude said that like, he enjoyed the whole process of, of setting up the murder murdering the person and then disposing of the body afterwards. Like he said, like it, it, um, it made him feel free, you know, made him like, uh, you know, complacent, you know what I mean? I, I don't think that's the word that he used, but, but yeah, it's a, it's kind of a weird thing because like for me, I remember seeing this movie, uh, you know, I, I don't think it was when it, it came out. I think I saw it a little bit after the fact, but like for me, I've always been super freaking paranoid about Dennis, like not a fan, like don't get me wrong. Like dentistry is one of those things, like is uh, you know a service to human humanity. You know, like uh, you only love a dentist sometimes when you need them, right? Like some people are really good about going to the dentist, getting their checkups and stuff. I, I am not one of those those people. I fear the dentist and the pain involved. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> don't get me wrong, like I got a bunch of tattoos all over my body and stuff, and like I could deal with some pain. I've even gotten two tattoos at once, actually, believe it or not. Like, uh, when I usually describe it to people, um, I just tell them that I was getting drilled on by two dudes at once. You know what I mean? <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, no, always, always. Yeah, Take him so, by the, the horn, you know? Really rub it in. Yeah, well, that's how I usually start that conversation. Give me so, no, but like, uh, I can deal with some pain, but dentist pain, like that, like there's something about, about like, like not being in control. Like you're, you're, you know, you're sitting in that chair and the, these freaking people have their, their hands in your mouth and stuff. And I don't know, man, it's just not one of those things that I've ever been able to deal with uh, all that well, you know? So I remember this movie, like really like, uh, I don't know, not affecting me necessarily, but like, like, (laughs) I don't know. I just, I remember being very intrigued by it because I don't know. I just, I, I've always been worried about like, uh, excess pain at the dentist office, man. Like I remember when I was younger hearing about like, you know, a dentist would put somebody out and then, uh, funnel them. I never got that opportunity. I mean, um, that never happened to me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I hoped it would. I mean, um, I hoped it would. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Oh. Uh, you know, cause yeah, more attention is better. I'm an, an attention whore. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, so, but they would have to skip. I would have, I would have appreciated it, but 
They would have to skip the anesthetic or the what? whatever they use because then you wouldn't remember it, right? What's the point? That is true. That is true. <laughs> Although, like, you know, in my fantasies, oh, no, no, I, and I, I'm sorry. I ain't got no fantasies about this. Like, if it were to happen to me, I would want to wake, like, like uh, awake during the process, you know, because I think that would be a special experience. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this show has taken a lot of I don't turn. know, dude. <laughs> Right. I'm just (laughs) rambling at this point now, but, uh, yeah, no. Uh, so this, this guy was, uh, like a former, he was in the army. He was army veteran. Um, his, his dentist office was set up in, uh, St. Louis. And, um, the guy did a couple contract kills for people. Like, like he was just a, he was a bad freaking dude, you know? And, um, he was mostly, it seems mostly, it seems like he was out for monetary game. You know what I mean? And, um, but like he, the dude, like he, he had a couple different ways of, uh, of killing people like, uh, like shooting, obviously, uh, bludgeoning the, uh, a sledgehammer was one of the tools that uh, he famously used. Well, as famous as his case is whatever, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty brutal, dude. Like a sledgehammer. Like if that's one of your preferred, you know, weapons of choice, <laughs> like, yeah, not very like, subtle, <laughs> not subtle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Dexter. That leaves a mess. Oh, Dexter's a good show, dude. It kind of fell apart at certain points, but uh, holy shit, uh, that season with the uh, the ABC killer, where uh, played by John Lithgow. Oh, John Lithgow's wow. amazing. Yeah, pretty damn, pretty damn solid, man. Like, like, pretty damn solid. And, and I kind of found like a, I don't know the name of the the actor that that played Dexter, but uh, I think he did a damn good job for whatever reason. I couldn't tell you. I don't know much about it, but I think that like he was. He was definitely the, the right actor for the role because the guy seems off. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, I don't know. He, I don't know if he, he has that face or just the way his mannerisms. I don't know what what it is, but like the the dude seemed like the the perfect guy for the role. He, I, I think he did pretty damn good. He's yeah. not acting, dude. That's that's how he really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think what I think it was a uh, one of the uh, the first or second season I think um where there's this detective that he works with um and and like he's on to him you know like yeah uh he's like this this buff black guy and um he has Sergeant a Dokes head. or something Dokes there you go yeah, yeah yeah like uh the most memeable scene or like couple seconds I've ever seen in almost any show ever uh-huh. was when uh he finds his little kill shack there in the the bayou or whatever and he's like surprise motherfucker <laughs> or, or I forget if that's like I forget where, what scene that happens. I forget what scene that happens in to be honest, but surprise motherfucker. Like like yeah. I, I can't tell you how many memes I've seen that in. You know? Some fries motherfucker. <laughs> surprise <laughs> motherfucker. So, yeah, some fries <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Cheap ties, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> actually, right. actually, kind of bummed me out when. Uh, spoiler alert: If you haven't seen this show already, when uh, Dexter killed that guy and he was no longer on the show because I thought that guy was a lot of fun on the show, and mm-hmm. it just it just didn't seem the same without him on there. But yeah, I, but I guess you can't really keep that I mean, going. How, how long can you draw that out though? Yeah, because he knows yeah, exactly. He knows. I thought uh, that show was really good for the first two seasons and whichever one John Lithgow was on. But after the first two, it just kind of, I don't know, it was like the same thing over and over again. And I don't remember what season it was. There was but a lot of rinse and repeat. Yeah. There was a season where he had like a baby and the whole season was about like him trying to find a babysitter and stuff. Like I just, I was like, dude, that's just not interesting. I don't care who's watching your baby. That's not what this show's about. It just, yeah. that's when they completely lost me well, on that show. And and it started to lose me. Like, it, I agree with you. Because, like, the whole family thing and, like, 
it just it just didn't fit. You yeah, know, that that whole scenario didn't fit with who Dexter is. You know, like like all of a sudden this guy has emotions and stuff now. Well, well, shit. You know, right? But I do appreciate how they ended that relationship with the ABC killer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you remember how that 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 ended? Where like uh, he basically like made her like slit slit her femoral artery artery in the 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 bathtub. Right, but no, I mean after that when not that season, but this I think it was the season after that when like Dexter no he was a single parent basically. And the, a lot of the oh, season, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the season revolved around how he was going to get somebody to watch his kid when he was at work, basically. And it was just like, it just felt like such a pain in the ass to watch. I'm like, dude, this is like so tedious. I just can't stand it. So I, I quit watching at that point. <laughs> yeah. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, let me see. What else do I have to talk about here? There's one other movie, but wait, do you want to want to mention? And this one actually isn't. I was going to say, do you want, let's, let's let agent Kruger go and then I'll go. And then do you want to finish up with your last one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Kind of mix it up a little bit. All right. What do you got for us? Agent Kruger. Uh, I've been blabbing for long enough anyways. Well, just like my name and looking at nightmare on Elm street, I thought it was, I knew you had to, had to, (laughs) it's my father. Yeah. So, uh, believe it or not, Wes Craven, uh, he took a lot of inspiration through his past and childhood, uh, to apply it with, uh, with this movie and also a story that he found in 1970 about a case of uh, sons, uh, sudden, oh God, what? I always forget the damn, it's like sudden uh, unintentional death. Infant Uh, death syndrome or some shit? Like sudden unintentional death or narcoleptic death like syndrome. So like you die in your sleep. Spontaneous combustion. (laughs) Spontaneous (laughs) fart combustion. (laughs) <laughs> yes, how did you figure it out? Uh, but it's like sudden uh, unexplained nocturnal death syndrome, which is SUNDS. So S-U-N-D-S. Oh, okay. And it's a condition when it's characterized by, you know, having cardiac arrest while you, you just die in your sleep. Um, that, I mean, as all deaths go, that's kind of not the worst way to go. You know what I mean? Just kind of in your sleep. And you just drift off. I think off. that's kind of how, like, like when I go, like, I hope it's something like that. Like, I don't want to see my death coming, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no one does, I also don't right? want to feel it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be horrible. Um, yeah. Um, as far as, so, I mean, going back to, uh, like, let's start with the character and what uh, Kruger is based off of. And Kruger, believe it or not, is based off the bully of Wes Craven in his childhood, who was named Fred Kruger. And, uh, you know, go figure. I would hate to be the guy who was written into all these stories as the, the the evil asshole. You know what I mean? And it's it's his bully. It's one of his childhood bullies. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. Then, uh, I think that'd be pretty cool, actually. Like, not that I was not definitely not a bully. I was the nerdy kid getting bullied. But if I was the bully, I'd be like, fuck yeah, this guy remember me, man. I totally fucked with this guy. Look, I fucked with him so much. He made a movie about me. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't I don't regret beating that, him yeah, up at right? all. Yeah. <laughs> There's some positives there, right? But it's not called, to it's called bully bullying. confirmation. <laughs> oh God. Um yeah, you got that. Uh well, actually to double back on the Suns thing, uh there was the CDC reported around uh, 1986 to 1988 uh, around 10 deaths that were caused by Suns 
Um, it's unexplained, but all of them really ultimately had a heart attack in their sleep. All had enlarged hearts. And it wasn't until the case that Wes Craven read about uh, in the LA Times back in the day with, about uh, a younger Chinese man or a Cambodian man. Oh, God. Edit, edit that out, actually. Cambodia. <laughs> Cambodian. Uh, but he read about a Cambodian family that fled the death uh, fields, the killing fields in Cambodia when it was shit was just hitting the wall. And when they were trying to sleep one night when they were in the U.S., uh, their son had this unexpected dream where he was being chased through the woods or wherever the hell he was. He was just being chased and he felt that if he was caught by whatever was chasing him, it would end his life. And so he was so freaked out. And I don't know if you guys have ever had a dream where you were so scared when you woke up, you didn't want to go back to sleep. Uh, apparently, he stretched out days at a time trying not to sleep because he was that freaked out about this dream. Um, but as when they thought that he settled this issue and that, you know, they didn't have to worry about it, and then they all went to sleep a normal night like every Every other night, he ended up screaming his fucking head off, waking up in the middle of the night and going crazy. And by the time they got to his room and to his bed, he was dead. Um, and all they know is that whatever it was, his last moments was fear. So maybe it wasn't the peaceful way to go because it's in your sleep, right? But what if your body's like, hey, it's shitty. What if your body is trying to tell you something's wrong with you? Like, because a lot of them had enlarged hearts, like I mentioned. Like, what if in some way where these dreams are correlated with their body trying to dream and warn them? Thanks, Agent Kruger. Now I'm going to have nightmares tonight. <laughs> right? I'm going to die of a heart attack in my sleep, and it's going to be all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Just make sure you... you Left me something, you know, sizable in your wills. Maybe it won't happen, but, you know, I don't know. Um, Another thing, well, going back to Kruger, what makes also just, you know, the villain Kruger so unique, ra rather just being, you know, somebody who's based off of Bully, which I guess isn't super unique, uh, that a lot of Wes Craven wanted this villain to be a vocal villain. Out of all the popular pulp culture you know, villains, Myers, you know, Voorhees, and, you know, I'm, I'm missing someone. I can't believe it. And, you know, just the the typical, you know, legends of horror, you know, Texas Leatherface, that's who I was saying. They all were covered. They, they are all this masked, brooding, you know, villain that doesn't speak but only kill and thrash out. But Freddy gets to talk to you, toy with you, you know, and entice you in ways that would encourage you to do something stupid in your dream. You know, it's just one of the villains that was vocal, more vocal, and makes him super unique amongst the bunch. Um, when it came to his, his claw glove, if I'm not mistaken, that um, when I was reading about it, he wanted something that everybody could relate to if you were from the like 1600s, like, fr like from way back in the Dark Ages. And I guess that was to have a handful of swords or just like in a, I forget, oh, damn, I'm dropping the ball here. But he wanted to compare it to, 
you know, like a, a tiger. Or like <laughs> Wolverine, yeah. That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. The the best quote though from it was that the hat was just purely, you know, fashionable just because it looks good. Like that's there's nothing special to his hat, but uh to Kruger's hat, but I don't know. The character is more interesting than you'd think. Uh, you know, I didn't give it the best background story, even when in the movie, in the plot, he's chasing four teenagers down and, you know, haunting their dreams and trying to kill them through that way. But uh, how he got there, Kruger's backstory to even how he got there and how he was raised, he like the backstory is apparently his mother was raped in a like a psychological, you know, psych ward by like a hundred different people, like or thirty, like it was some outrageous number that would break any individual, make them bitter towards other people. So that was apparently the case of why he hated youth was because youth, you know, ruined his world a bit, just a bit. And then I don't know. I don't have really that much. And I also thought it was interesting. Elm street. You can basically find an Elm street anywhere which I thought that was interesting that yeah, they're all you over can the find place. them just about anywhere. And not only that, uh, the street that Kennedy turned on or before he, you know, he took that last turn and was shot, you know, in front of the book depository was, uh, there was an Elm street right next door. So, so yeah, I guess, yeah, there was a, I heard somewhere where he was trying to depict that it's where innocence and like meets its end or whatnot. When it comes to the end of Elm street, it's where, innocence was there and i like the theory from from there's a comedy show from the bbc which again why would you name a network that but anyways called red dwarf it's kind of an older show but they did this episode where they they explained the the assassination of kennedy so in the show it's like a sci-fi show they time travel back you know back to the past and they save kennedy from being assassinated and it completely ruins the future. Like it triggers this series of events that makes everything like far worse than it was. So Kennedy, who's now alive, actually goes back in time and assassinates himself because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> what a twist. That shit you know? cray. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, are we, are we done talking about uh, Freddy Krueger nope. there? Or? Uh, no. Yeah. Hey, if you I, got more to say, brother. Why say not? It. I mean, Wes Craven. Uh, I think, uh, don't think I know. He, uh, also mentioned a story when he was a child, when an old man was walking by his window, uh, on his like patio, I guess. Um, I don't know if he lived next to a busy street or what, where old people or just random people, uh, individuals that just stroll by his window. But he had a moment in his childhood when he was just in his house and he saw an old man, with a cane walking by and he was just, you know, you know, not making a noise, just watching this old man walk by until the old man stopped and then like glared right at Craven. And I guess it really chilled him to the bone when he was a kid and he wanted to use, that was one of the, you know, going psychological lines for his, you know, plot was, um, you know, an old man or somebody like that stature preying on a young kid. Why would he want to scare him as a kid? And there's more to it, but it was a, it, it's interesting to say the least. I mean, I don't know. Cra Wes Craven, you know, rest in peace and everything, but 
that dude came in the mo- he had the most strict upbringing and, and then how he his movies interpret his imagination are so completely different it's awesome well maybe the, the strict upbringing was 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 the reason why he had the imagination that he did you know i didn't know that he'd passed away oh yeah for a moment i thought robert uh england england or whatnot i always mess his name up uh the actor who plays Freddy Krueger, I, I thought he died and then come to find out it was the opposite way. So hmm. shows, shows my horror. My last name's Krueger and yet I'm not, <laughs> I'm not in tune with that. The Godfather yeah. died. No, it's a, it's a slasher movie, but like you're saying, most slasher films, um, they like, for example, uh, alien, right? Alien is basically a slasher film in space. Silent killer. They're all silent killers, right? So it's uh, it's it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head where the killer is um, is actually talks to the victims, you know, like taunts them and stuff. Yeah, right. And then it, and not just that, his his face is revealed. It's a you know, is a burning mess. Like somebody took a blue flame to the face. Sorry to die, uh, derail, but I'm gonna derail again. Hey, I I gotta take a PS. Right. I'll be right back. Right. All right. I'm so well, sorry. While he's while he's gone, I was I'll say that uh, it, there's there's some really great just quotes from from him as a villain, right? That uh, you don't get from the other slashers because they don't talk. Other slashers don't talk. It's the only slasher that talks that I can think of, anyways. So you can say, I can't really do a good Freddy Krueger. Can you do a good Freddy Krueger? Oh God, no. I mean, you can't. I I don't know if anyone really could. <laughs> It belongs to Robert, you know. Mm-hmm. You remember, remember the um, back in the day when your parents would let you watch anything, like they just didn't care. <laughs> it's not like oh, that anymore. Yeah. Or they they just didn't know. Yeah, or they didn't know that yeah. too. Yeah, they, they had no <laughs> idea the the type of garbage that was on HBO at two in the morning when they're trying to fill space. Oh, <laughs> HBO or or Cinemax. You have more for us on uh, Friday the Thirteenth. No, no, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, not a, nope, not, nothing, uh, besides the, well, prominently that the sons, that, uh, that sudden, oh my God, sudden unexpected narcoleptic death syndrome, mm-hmm. uh, when that was actually predominantly in Asian, you know, families that I mentioned before, I did say that large hearts, um, no, I, I think I'm good. And then Wes Craven, how he kind of made the character a little bit, you know, based off of his, you know, childhood. Fred. Also, he he, he wasn't, uh, when he did the, how, like his first, Wes Craven's first movie, he even used, uh, it was a, it was Krug, something, oh damn, it was something Krug uh, with the first villain in the house, the last house on the left. I don't know if you guys remember that movie. Mm-mm. Yeah, one of the well, because it's about you know two girls you know being tortured you know captured and tortured you know by escaped convicts, and one of them was uh, his last name or just he went by Krug, I forget, but it was definitely the same same intention with making him evil because he was the bully from his childhood, and he also used that with Freddy Krueger and such. So, ever is it weird that every time I hear the word the word bully, I think of Theodore Roosevelt. What are you? What are you thinking about Teddy for? <laughs> bully for you, motherfucker! Because oh, he, like, he, he, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Bully, uh, bully, <laughs> bully, bully. 
Whatever. Let's move on to The Exorcist. That's the movie I chose to talk about the true story behind. And I didn't actually know this. I just kind of Googled movies based on horror movies based on true stories or whatever. And it turns out The Exorcist is actually based upon a real exorcism story. This happened way back in 1949 in Cottage City, Maryland, near Mount Rainier. Most accounts will say that it happened in Mount Rainier, but it didn't. It actually was in Cottage City. And I won't go down that particular rabbit hole because that could be pretty much an episode in and of itself as to how somebody discovered that the people who said that it was in Mount Mount Rainier were actually lying about that. And they think that it was because they're trying to just kind of cover it up so that nobody could go find the the boy in question. But so yeah, yeah trying ni- to mislead. Yeah, exactly. So in 1949, um, in January, a boy named Ronald Doe. Well, that's his his alias. Everybody refers to him as Ronald Doe because he was a child at the time, and nobody wants to really expose who he was. Even though, like, it is possible to find out his real name and stuff like that if if you really want to dig deep, but it's not necessary for our purposes, so we won't do anything like that. But anyways, in January of 1949, Ronald Doe was taught to use the Ouija board by his aunt, and he used it a couple times with his aunt, Tilly. On January 15th, the boy, his mother, and grandmother heard a dripping noise in their grandmother's bedroom. That went on for a little while, and then they noticed the picture of Jesus on the wall was shaking, and they started to hear scratching noises from under the floorboards. And at that point, why they didn't just leave the house and just move somewhere else, I don't know, but they didn't. They stayed in the house. So this kind of activity happened every night from 7 p.m. to midnight for about 10 days. It stopped and it nothing happened for three days. They got three days of peace and quiet. And But after that, on the fourth night, the boy heard what he described as squeaking shoes on his bed. And this happened for six nights. I guess he just heard some squeaking sounds. Hmm. On the 26th... That's actually kind yeah. of pretty weird and, and, and also specific. Yeah. Because, I mean, squeaking shoes on your bed? What do you, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like... Somebody's walking in your bed like that doesn't necessarily line up, you know. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those statements to me that actually kind of because of how uh, unusual it is, it actually kind of adds a little bit of credibility to it. I think. Yeah, and probably because what, of how specific it is. Yeah, probably what he meant was he's he's asleep at night or trying to sleep at night. The lights are out and he's in bed and he hears like squeaking shoe sounds. And it probably didn't sound like somebody oh. walking up to the bed. He just heard them around him. <laughs> so he didn't know where they were coming from. So he might've just said they were coming from the bed. That's sort of how I interpreted that one. But I mean, you can interpret that any number of ways. On the 26th of January, uh, Aunt Tilly, that's the aunt that was showing him how to use the Ouija board. She died of multiple sclerosis at the age of 54. The boy's mother thought that it was connected to the strange activity in the house, which it was sort of surrounding the son, uh, Roland, because it always happened when he was in the room. It never happened when he was gone. After the aunt died, the boy heard the scratching coming from the walls. Like it coming, this is like a weird, this is a weird description. So he heard the scratching like moving out of the walls and into his bed. And then his bed began to shake violently 
And this is when shit starts to get real. So after this, there were various activities that everybody saw in the house, like the shaking of the bed and things moving around and stuff. So during one of these events, the mother said, if your aunt Tilly knock three times, when she said this, waves, waves of air struck Roland, his mother and grandmother, and they heard three knocks on the floor. She asked again, this time asking for four knocks, and whatever was knocking, knocked again, but knocked four times. After the knocks ceased, scratches appeared on Roland's mattress, just sort of like like a, a clawed hand scratched the mattress, but it was invisible, which is... Like, like did it break the fabric, or...? Yeah, yeah, like it, it tore the fabric and stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> I, I don't like this. <laughs> no, one, sir. No, one sir. Bit. Yeah, that's called a fuck that moment. I'm setting fire to that. I'm moving out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If I see that happen before my eyes, I'm getting the hell out of wherever I am, and never coming back. No, just, stay. Just know. It'll be fine. No, it's just overnight. Just no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. gonna happen. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Fast forward, so this weird stuff keeps happening, and on February 17th, a local Lutheran minister named Reverend Schultz had Roland stay overnight at his parsonage. So this fella was, they reported to him what was happening. They're like, hey, Reverend, could you please help us? We got a problem here with we don't know what. And the Reverend was like, yeah, right, you guys are all full of shit. So he had the boy stay over, and uh, Schultz uh, witnessed. Boys, boys, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this I was gonna say insert uh priest jokes here, right? <laughs> come here, come here, little boy. Why don't you stay overnight at my place? You know, I'm I'm just a priest. And here's the thing, and I'll steal this uh joke from um Dennis Leary. When I go to confession, um I say you first. <laughs> yeah, just, uh Dennis Leary, he's, he's a good comic. If you have, if you guys are not aware of who Dennis Leary is, go look him up on YouTube or something. He's a funny dude. <laughs> He's an asshole. I'm an asshole. I drive really slow. In the- Anyways, we don't want to get a copyright strike on that one. And he may have also he may have also stolen that bit from um, C.S. Lewis. Really? Really? Supposedly, yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no way. Suppo- supposedly. <laughs> but yeah. Don't you mean? Did supposedly? you ever see that show he was in? Rescue me. What's Did you that? guys ever watch that? Did you ever watch that one movie or TV show he was in, Rescue Me? I saw, I, I think I saw like the first or second episode, but like I also quickly got distracted by something shiny. But anyways, let's, let's get back to the case here. <laughs> let's get back to the show. Oh, uh, are we still recording? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On February 17th, uh, we were talking about the, the Lutheran minister, Reverend Schultz, had Roland stay overnight at his parsonage. You know, cue, <laughs> cue the uh, priest jokes, right? So Schultz was skeptical <laughs> at first, but when he stayed, when Roland stayed over, he witnessed the scratching sounds and the bed shaking that had been reported by the family. And he saw a couple of other weird things. For example, at one point, Roland was sitting in a heavy armchair and the chair tipped itself over when he was in it. And I don't think, did I say how old Roland was? I think he was like 13 years old at the time and 13, 14, that's, you're not going to be your full size at that age, probably. So he's, he's like a a little boy. Well, not like a little boy, but he's, 
you know, growing into manhood, but he's not a huge dude. So just, he's not going to shift and tip over a heavy armchair. So it's kind of weird, right? But that's at the point where they started to get a little bit of attention and believability from like the, you know, some clergy, various clergy of uh, different faiths. Um, They had uh, during, I don't, I don't know if I have the exact dates, but throughout the whole, whole ordeal, they had a couple of different faiths. I think Lutheran, Catholicism, and one other, one other faith. They all that all did exorcisms on the boys. On February twenty six, scratches appeared on the boy for four consecutive nights. So, like the sort of like what happened to his bed, some sort of invisible something or other scratched him, and you know he's bleeding and stuff. And from the descriptions, it doesn't seem like it was like super severe, more like a cat scratch, but. It's happened out of nowhere. So that, that was another, I mean, come on, dude, what are you guys doing? You know, get the hell out of that house. Go to, go to Cancun for a vacation or something. I don't know. All right. Now, after this event, after the scratches, they consulted father, Albert, father, Albert Hughes, who prescribed holy water, holy candles, and special prayers. During one time when the mother, we're calling her Mrs. Doe, she lit some candles and a comb flew across the room and put them all out. There were other objects that flew as well, such as fruit, pictures off of the walls, food from the tables, and the table itself actually flipped over. A Bible flew from a shelf and landed by Roland's feet. And then one incident that was not, it was around the same time, but it was not like flying stuff, but Roland was sitting in a rocking chair, and while he was sitting in the chair, it started to spin around all by itself. And at this, at the same time, this is one of those funny details of the case that just sort of, I, this, this case gets, it, it's sort of really terrifying, but this one detail I found kind of, kind of funny. He got kicked out of school because his desk kept moving around by itself. Like it would shake and move and jump around and stuff. And the teacher would say, Hey, cut it out. And then Roland would say, I'm not doing it, dude. I, I can't stop. I'm not doing nothing. So they kicked him out of school because he was possessed. He's, he's got his hands above his head. Look, I'm not doing it. It's not me. Another incident with one of the blessed candles that was suggested by the priest, the mom was sitting next to the bed at night when Roland was trying to sleep. And she was sitting next to the bed holding a candle. And when she was doing this, the, the bed herself and Roland all started to move back and forth in unison. And that's just, I don't know what to make of that one, man. That one's weird. After this particular incident, for whatever reason, all the other stuff didn't freak them out. But this one, finally, his mom's like, all right, this I've had enough with the moving back and forth in unison. The claws are okay. The tapping's okay. But I cannot abide moving in unison. So we're going to go stay with some relatives in Missouri. So they took off to Missouri, where relatives there also witnessed his skin being branded by some invisible hand, you know, like the scratches and marks and things. On March 9th, they enlisted the help of Father Raymond J. Bishop. He also saw some of the strange stuff, like the objects flying around and the bed moving and that kind of stuff. He reported back, and on March 11th, a different, a different priest named Father Bodern, this is from, you know, they're getting Catholic priests to come in now, because if anybody's serious about an exorcism, it's the Catholic priests, at least that's the word on the street. Uh, March 11th, Father Bodern came over, And at 11 p.m., he read the Novena Prayer of St. Francis Xavier. I don't really know what that is, but that's what it said. And he blessed the boy with a holy relic, 
which is a piece of the bone from St. Xavier's forearm, which is, okay, it seems a little weird to me, but I'm not Catholic, so maybe that's just something they do. You know, they just bless people with bones, I guess. Okay, whatever. Uh, he also put a crucifix under the boy's pillow. And I don't know if that was, like, the demons were not under the pillow, so I don't know if that was, like, for the tooth fairy or something, but, you know, they, they put it under there. Father, as soon as Father Bodern left... And the family heard, well, not as soon as, but he left. And then shortly after that, the family heard a loud noise in Roland's room. They run in there and they find a bench turned over. A heavy bookcase has been moved and the crucifix had been moved from under the pillow to the edge of the bed. And at this time, Roland's bed was shaking violently as it, as it tends to do, I guess. Somebody, one of the family members in the room yelled, Aunt Tilly, stop it. And the bed stopped shaking. Which is, this is kind of weird because if it's, you know, if they say, hey, Aunt Tilly, could you knock for us? Or could you stop shaking the bed? If it's really the uh, the aunt that's haunting him, then it, I don't know, like it wouldn't be a demon, but uh, he started to get haunted before the aunt actually died. So it's a strange thing. But the mom, the mom went back and forth between thinking that it was the aunt that was haunting him or it was some kind of demon or something. So they, there's a little bit of, you know, question as to what was actually going on. But since she died after it started, my money is on it was not the aunt. I actually kind of think that it might have been the aunt, the aunt herself, like stopping it. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of it that way. You know, I, they also say, people, yeah, go ahead. Like people on their way out, people on their way out, they'll see, you know, either a loved one greeting them or you know, helping them shepherd them to the next stage of their life, you know, to the afterlife. Uh, what if it, in that veil or that brief moment, you could also bring in some, you know, some dickhead ghost that comes in and just fucks everything up. <laughs> well, maybe that dickhead ghost just has the opportunity to come in at that point. You know, yeah, maybe because there's a doorway yeah, that's, open that's or something. the person coming in to greet them into their next afterlife or whatever the hell they're going to be doing. And so I, I don't believe this. It's just something. Well, I mean, I had a family member and I'm sure you guys might know. We might, it might've been an Anderson. Um, uh, oh, you might want to edit that out. Well, edit. anyway, just going to roll with it. Uh, somebody <laughs> close to us in our family, when they passed away um, on their way out was stating, uh, they were like, Hey, I know everybody in the room, but I don't know who that is. And she gestured to, uh, a chair or you know to a blank side of the the hospital room and she's like but i don't know who that is and everybody in the room kind of looked at each other and we're kind of puzzled as to what the hell she's talking about but you know from what i've been told from that day they're all convinced that it was somebody coming back over whether it be a, you know her husband or whoever it was was coming to you know help her get to the next side and not to be scared and then she passed shortly after that so on March 16th, Archbishop Ritter gave Father Bodern permission to begin the formal rite of exorcism. And that night he began the rituals along with Father Bishop and a Jesuit scholar named Walter Holleran. They performed the rituals of exorcism 20 to 30 times over the next couple of months. And while it was performed, Roland would, he would usually rage or throw fits or tantrums vomit and urinate all over the place 
And since they're mentioning it, I'm I'm guessing it was more like the movie vomit where he's just like, he's just ugh, all over the place. Not just like a little bit like, oh, I just spit up on my shirt kind of a thing. And like, if he's urinating, I'm guessing that flow was going for like, you know, 10 minutes or something to where it's not like, oh, look, he peed his pants. Like, man, he is just, he is letting loose. This is not natural, you know? And he would, uh, he would curse and say, you know, blasphemous things. And he would also utter phrases in Latin, which is sort of strange because a 13 year old boy probably shouldn't know Latin, you know, I'm guessing little typically a little boy from Maryland, you know, probably doesn't know Latin. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that's what they teach over there. That shit creeps me out. I cannot stand that. It's cool. I like the, the, the language, but it's. When it's used in that manner, oh my God, I get the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> heebie-jeebies. <laughs> At one point in this process, Roland was inducted to the Catholic faith and received his first communion. I don't know what that is, but I guess it's part of, maybe part of becoming Catholic, I'm guessing. I don't know. But after that, he got a six-inch portrait of the devil, which, with his, the devil had his hands raised and spiderwebs coming from his hands. And that was etched deeply into his calf. So sort of like the invisible scratches, it just appeared like carved into his skin, which is, that's pretty crazy, man. I don't like that bit one bit either. This whole thing, you know, I don't like any of this stuff, actually. <laughs> let's burn <laughs> this, it. This whole case, this whole case, let's just forget about it, man. This one's, this one sucks. But uh, so another incident, I don't know when this happened, but I thought I'd throw it in there because it was kind of, uh, kind of funny, you know, add a little levity. When they were riding on a train from one town to another, I suppose, Roland punched Father Bodern in the balls and he said, that's a nutcracker for you, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's yes. like he's, not, he's not possessed by a demon. He's just a little shit, you know? Yeah, he's a dick. All, he's just possessed by a good freaking sense of humor. Yeah. You know? Fuck like, that kid. That kid's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so on April 18th, uh, during an, uh, these exorcisms have been going on for a while. And during, during an exorcism ritual, Father Bodern asked who was possessing the child and how long they planned to stay. And I'm guessing also they were interrogating the demon or whatever it was saying, hey, you think you're going to start paying rent, man? You've been in this kid for a while now. But anyways, Roland threw a tantrum and said he was a fallen angel. At yeah, 11, you got to pay for a privilege like that. I'm yeah, sorry, you can't just, you can't just live in there. You know, you got to pay for that, man. At 11 p.m., Roland interrupted the ritual and spoke in a masculine voice, saying, Satan, I am Saint Michael. I command you and the other evil spirits to leave this body in the name of Dominus immediately. Now, 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 said now three times, apparently. And yeah, he said that in a voice that was not his own. It sounded like an adult's voice. And uh, at that point, Roland stopped throwing a fit and making all these violent motions. He paused, and then he said, he is gone. And when the voice was coming out of his mouth, that, uh, that adult-sounding voice, uh, Roland said that he had a vision of St. Michael holding a flaming sword. And that's pretty much this. That's a very, very abridged version because... We wouldn't like, I had to cut some stuff out. We just wouldn't have time to go over everything in one episode, but it's a really friggin' creepy story. And it's, that's what the, uh, the exorcist is supposedly based on. And, um, I'm hoping it's not true. You know, I'm going to put my skeptical hat on for this one because 
that is super creepy and I don't want to be dealing with any of that stuff. So I'm just going to say it's all made up, you know? So was it that exorcism where one of the pre, I thought the pre, well, maybe it was exaggerated, but I thought one was, you know, pushed out a window. Was that? Yeah. That happened in the movie, right? He, I think he fell down some stairs or or something. uh, Oh, okay. I must've been. Yeah. I I mean, was, yeah, that, that might've happened to one of the priests involved, but there were other priests involved too, that I didn't mention because they had a very minor role, but, um, I didn't like one see one was bit, one was like shoved out and when I I swear yeah, I think well, one no, was actually there was yeah. one yeah, so the the priest Hughes, uh what was his his last name was Hughes. Uh he was supposedly saw Roland in the hospital, and while he was uh doing something, you know, maybe some sort of prayer or something, Roland ripped out a bed spring from the mattress and cut him on the arm with it was one of the incidents. Okay. But that's what I mean. Like, there's a lot of stuff like that that I kind of didn't mention because I was trying to keep it, you know, a little on the shorter side. But yeah, there, there was. I didn't see any mention of the priests like dying like that in the in the true story that the movie's based on. But there were several of them, and it wouldn't surprise me if one of them did die after this. But you know, there were several of them, and a couple of them were fairly old, so it could, you know, could be anything. In the movie, I think there was just one main priest. Right. And they, they sort of condensed all the priests involved in the real story into just kind of like one guy. And one of the main ones actually had a diary that he kept of the exorcism attempts, which I also won't go into because it's a little, it just goes a little too much into detail, but yeah, well, we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of interesting stuff to this case, but there's also it. You know, there are, is some debunking that has happened that kind of makes it look like maybe there was nothing weird going on here. It was just a kid being a little shit, <laughs> you know, playing a prank on somebody. But I don't know what to make of this one. You just got to look at other like exorcisms that the church, you know, yeah. I want to say declassified, but also said that they, you know, helped. Uh, I forget the uh, exhumed. Is that the what is it like when all is said and done? The kid's clear. He's fine this oh whatever but cleanse? anyway it's just how many cases or yeah right cleanse or yeah. something like that like how many kids that they they you know help this or, house is clear yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this for, I mean, house is clear for this case i mean i could see it both ways and uh i mean there's evidence in both directions like people witnessed all this weird stuff happening and i don't see how a 13 year old could pull off all these pranks for such a long period of time on the other hand i'm gonna be skeptical on this one because it's it's creepy as fuck and i don't want to believe that it's true so i'm just gonna go skeptic on this one (laughs) yeah yeah i i definitely don't think that she did like a like her head like spun like in a 360 circle walls also like, oh, definitely like, not no no like projectile vomiting you know no well the the vomiting happened but uh, the, I think I like to believe the scary movie to uh reference well, hey, to the exorcism well hey don't get me wrong I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of projectile vomiting I mean <laughs> I think it takes a, a bit of a Who skill isn't? to do it right yeah you know like but like when it comes to like a you know a, a scenario where you have like an exorcism involved as well Nah, that goes too far. A little bit too far for my likings. You yeah. Know? Well, and that projectile vomiting takes on a whole new uh, meaning, you know? Yeah. And the witnesses did see that stuff, but some of the movie stuff was uh, embellished. For example, they changed the boy to a girl in the movie for whatever reason. 
And the head spinning was made up for the movie. That didn't actually, nobody reported that in this case. So the, the stuff in the movie with like, like the, I think she floats above the bed at some point, like hovering in the air like that. I, I didn't see any reports of that, but uh, some of it, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's a weird case. Some of the, the dirt, the dirty language that she uses. Yeah. Stuff like you know, that. While talking to the priest, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Like yeah, the- that was the first movie that I watched by myself. Like the actual like the in my head when I was a kid, that was like the top movie that would shit my pants. You know, I didn't want to watch it alone. One day, as in an act of spontaneity, like I just accidentally started watching it on cable. Like it, just, I was like, oh, this movie is good, and then it just got it, like where I was like, oh shit, no, this is this is <laughs> Exorcist. Well, it's like I'm in it now. Might as well just keep it going. And it's like even to the subtle like eye, there's things that you don't, or to the untrained eye, you're not looking for that. There's imagery and subtleness, like I don't want to say subliminal, subliminal. Uh, but it's damn near near it. Like when, you know, the light flickers on and off and then there's a face quickly there next to her. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. very like quick. Now you look at it, it's it's quite cheesy uh, to a certain extent, but it still has that grip on you with the music, the ambiance, and just like uh, when you're by yourself as a 14-year-old in your house at nighttime watching this movie alone – like I, I was at my wits. Like that was the scariest it got for me. So oh yeah, and it was it was a yeah, really well made movie. Yeah. It got oh, a ten Academy Award nominations and it won two Academy Awards. I don't remember what for, but I mean it was it was a well done movie and it was I think it holds up as being like a super creepy movie if you're willing to accept that the special effects and everything are not going to be up to modern standards. So if you're willing to put that aside and just watch the movie for what it is, it's a really well-made creepy as fuck movie that, you know, nobody should watch because it's, it's one of those movies. Like there's not that many horror movies I've seen that are actually like scary. Usually it's like, you know, Friday the 13th or something like that, where it's, they're, they're fun movies, but they're not like scary, scary, but this one is creepy, dude. This, this is one of the few movies that just actually creeped me right out. Yeah. Same. Honestly, it's, but. All right, so I, I think Agent ETA had one more movie for us before we finish up. What do you got for us, ETA? I mean, kind of. Right. <laughs> one, one more movie, I suppose. It's not a, it's not a, uh, it's a horror film. It just like was one of those ones where like, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I thought of it real quick when we were coming up with this idea for this episode. Um, so the, the movie's name is Monster. And I, I'm sure a lot of people have probably seen this movie, but it's it's a uh, it's about this character. Her name was um, Eileen Warnos. I goddamn, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Warnos, whatever. But um, her character was played by uh, Charlize Theron in this movie, and um, I gotta say, as far as performances go, I mean. She did a pretty damn good job. I mean, if anybody like knows who Charlize Theron is, um, a beautiful woman, Be- beautiful. Like I don't know how else you could pronounce like, how much like how you could uh, describe her. You know, I'm a beautiful woman. You know, <laughs> good lord. But but uh, what she did to herself in order to fulfill the role of this movie is uh, 
pretty respectful. Um, now, I heard it uh, described by her in an interview that she gained over 15 pounds to do this role. Now, to someone like me, like 15 pounds, all right, cool story, dude. <laughs> that's, that's like that's like taking a dump in the morning. That's a, that just <laughs> sounds like we got past winter. I fluctuate within 15 pounds every other day. You know what I mean? You know, like, all right, all right, that's that. All right, well, I mean, I guess it must have been such a hardship, you know, but for somebody as small as she is, actually, it is, you know, but like, she put on a bunch of weight to do to do this role. They they put on a bunch of prosthetics or prosthetics prosthetics onto her uh, teeth mainly. But like, so if you know what this woman looks like, um, Eileen Carol Warnos Warnos whatever. Shut up, dude. Um, she is a homely looking individual, and like for Charlize Theron to mirror that image is actually pretty impressive, you know? Anyways, I think she did a, ga- a damn good job. So, so, um, this woman was, she was an American serial killer. Okay. Now it wasn't like she had a long reign. Um, it was only about a year between 1989 and 1990 and, um, but the reason why she was made so famous, obviously is because of this movie. Right. But, uh, so she was a person that had, you know, a, a rough uh, upbringing, you know, um, her original parents had both, uh, I forget what age it was. Uh, I should have wrote this down in my notes. Um, anyways, early on she had been, uh, left by her, her mom and her dad and both her and her brother had to be raised by her grandparents. She had some, some bad experiences when she was a kid, you know, being abused and stuff like that. I won't go too far into it. You know, um, it, it is a very interesting case because most serial killers, the, the vast majority that you're going to see are, are going to be male, right? The reason why people find an interest with her is because she's a female, obviously. When she was younger, she got into prostitution and basically just like she got into it as a way to, to find, you know, money, um, just to find her own way. Cause she had basically been like left on her own, you know, like, like to find her own way, you know, and she had been abused, you know, and, and, uh, at some point it seems like she decided to fight back and just plain kill, you know, because, I don't know. Maybe she had been, you know, abused enough to that point to where that was the only response that she felt was necessary. That's possible. I, I don't know. But if I'm not mistaken, it was like a breaking point with when it came to a customer, right? Or like a, it was like any normal day, but it's sometimes it's just yeah. that one thing that pushes you over the edge. And it could yeah. be very subtle or it could be very abrupt, but she was. Like you said, she was a prostitute, and if I'm not mistaken, she was in the middle of servicing a client, and then something clicked, and she just, you know, was tired of getting, well, you know, that was abused the, yeah. and slapped. Well, around. that wasn't that was more portrayed in the movie, for was sure. It? I, I well, actually I, I, that was God, one of the I haven't seen the movie, it. I think. Actually, I I have only have heard of the kudos that she's received due to the fact this was like her well, Charlize Theron's like. I don't want to say breakout role, but like her ability to come out and say that I'm willing to adapt to the role 
You know what I mean? Like you would see Christian Bale with Mechanic and Batman a few months apart, but yet he goes from a scrawny skeleton to, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne. Well, that was more than more than a few months apart. But uh yeah, no, I yeah. I mean Christian Bale when he was a mechanic when when he was in that movie Mechanic, I mean he was I mean, a skeletor, you know, like good lord, that I mean the amount of weight that he lost and, and as a matter of as a matter of fact, also from what I understand, he still um, has like physical ramifications that came from those trans- transformations that he made. You know, oh yeah, like uh, because of the extremes that he accomplished, um, it took a toll on his body. You know, oh yeah, that, but, I don't think I mean, it, it, anybody was, would. What was Charlie's theorem though? It, 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 this is nowhere near those lengths you know, of a dedication, you know, like this is not to that extent, you know, but, um, I, I gotta say like, like, good Lord, did she get down the mannerisms and like the culture that, that this, this woman was from, um, she did a, a damn good job. I, I remember when this movie came out and I remember like kind of ignoring it for a little bit, like, I don't know. I just like, I was like, all right, whatever. Like, you know, it's, it's a, it's, I don't know. I, I, at first I thought it was like, kind of like, all right, well, this is a girl power movie, you know, where like, you know, you have a strong female character that is runaway being lesbians pres- <laughs> being, pre- yeah, yeah. Being presented like, like, you know, I don't know. It, it's, but then when I watched it, I was like, damn, this is a good story. And not only is it a good story, it is, I mean, the actors involved are, they did a damn good job. Like I, I can't say that I, I, I have nothing bad to say about this movie except for a little bit of the accuracy, like uh, some of the ac- I mean, uh, but but that that's often you know uh, I mean that, that's a common trait in, in many movies based on real scenarios or real life situations. You know, um, of course, like the you know you it's probably not going to be super accurate because it's a movie. Why would it be right? It, uh, but anyways, um, both, both Charlie's Theron and then, um, uh, who's her, her girlfriend. I'm sorry. I just, I just punched the fuck out of my microphone right now. It wasn't Christina Ritchie. No, no. Um, in the, in, in the movie, Christina Ritchie, there you go. Yeah. Her girlfriend in the movie, Christina Ritchie. I think she did a pretty decent job also, but it's not, I mean, mostly I think that she probably did a good job because I've always had the hots for Christina Ricci. I think she's beautiful. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I sorry. Ever since pretty. no, 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 no. When I was, I mean, when I was younger, I remember that movie Casper the Ghost. You remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, for whatever reason, like like in, in, in uh, Adam's family, right? She was in that movie too. You know? Yeah. Yeah, she played Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, dude. Wednesday, right? It was Wednesday. Of course, she yeah. was Wednesday. Like you know, I mean, that was like like you know, she. I, I don't know how old she is, but I think she's right around my same age. And um, it's not creepy at all for me to be attracted to her during that time period because I was around the same age. I was under eighteen, I think, and so was she, I think. But uh, whatever, dude. I mean, fuck you. You know, like if you think <laughs> I'm being a creep, no. whatever, dude. I think she's yeah. Hot. Fuck you, yeah, dude. No, I think she's hot, you know, but yeah, anyways, like hot. I also kind of uh, am attracted to some of those like, you know, dark haired, like, you know, uh, dark minded, you know, uh, and, and, you know, females that are into uh, stuff, 
don't know, like <laughs> you like goth chicks, dude. Goth pinup girls. <laughs> no, like goth goth girls. I mean, goth they, they rockabilly. To, either way, they they need to whip me though. You know. Uh, oh. Uh, I didn't know this was that kind no. of show. <laughs> <laughs> what no, happened? It is now. No, it is now. <laughs> Too many crystal skulls. I'm just saying, there's fantasies. Anyways, fucking, uh, you know, uh, a man has to have his uh, imagination. Yes, sir. You know, how dare you try to, you know, no, sir. Uh, take no. that away from me. I, I don't appreciate that. I yeah, don't, never take don't, that away. Don't you kink shame Agent ETA? I ain't kink shaming nothing. Well, because here's the thing. I have so many kinks that, like, you know, whatever you want to shame me on, you probably could if you wanted to, you know? Is that all you had to say about Monster? I suppose, yeah. This right. is the real monster here. Yeah, we're get, we're about uh, about an hour thirty five, hour forty right now. So I guess it's about time. Um, so uh, I guess that's that's about it for this week. Thanks for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. <laughs> we also have an email address AlienConPod at protonmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to suggest the show to your friends and or social media areas, places. I don't know, whatever. All right. And since Agent Ether's not here, I guess I will do the sign off. Keep it strange. <laughs>